Hi, welcome to Venture Scaler. I'm Sasha, three time head of people at Venture Back Startups. And I'm Jake, three times ops and growth leader from the Venture Back Startup circuit as well. And we're here dropping all of our best tips on how to scale your startup. Hi, Caitlin. Welcome to our show. We're so excited to have you today to talk all things people operations at scaling companies. Uh, I'm Sasha Robinson, and this is Jake, and we're excited to Hi. spend the next 45 minutes or so diving into all of the tricks and tidbits that you have to share with us. Um, Jake, anything you'd like to say? I just want to say, like, welcome, Caitlin. Uh, really excited to hear about you and your experience. Um, I know that you're the uh, director of people right now at PrimeGov, and from you know early conversation, uh, uh, a team of one. So I'm super excited to hear about like how you're dealing with that early stage company, uh, one person show, and you know what your what your experience has been so far in getting that company up and going. So yeah, let's uh, let's dive right in. Let's do it. Why don't you set the stage for anyone watching or listening and tell us a little bit about what your role at PrimeGov is like, maybe start at the beginning, why you were hired at what stage, and then what your role primarily focuses on right now. Yeah, so I'm Caitlin. Um, I am the Director of People Operations at PrimeGov. PrimeGov is a GovTech SaaS company based here in the Phoenix area. Um, we focus primarily on creating legislative management solutions for local government. Um, and I was hired on as our director of people. Um, so I was hired on about a year ago. Um, PrimeGov has actually, it used to be headquartered in Utah and they were relocating to Phoenix. Um, so they were looking for someone to head up their team here in Phoenix. And they were like, what better way to start than someone in people operations? Um, so I was hired on board about a year ago and I am a team of one, as Jake mentioned. <laughs> so I am full stack people operations, so everything from the recruiting. So beginning of the employee life cycle, all the way through to the end, employee development, benefits, compensation, all of that fun stuff. So, um, that's what I was hired on to do. I believe the next part was right now. Um, so right now I am heavily focused on recruiting. Um, we are in a pretty big growth stage. We've actually grown over 100% over the course of the past year as far as our employee base goes. So lots of new folks, lots of folks that we're looking to bring on. Um, so primarily recruiting right now, as well as bringing on an HRIS and a new 401k provider. So managing all of that at the moment, which is always fun. fun. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to mess up employee compensation or employee data. So like when I hear like bringing on an HRS or like migrating 401ks, like hives, like is <laughs> inevitably something always feels a little sweaty just thinking about it, but, um, <laughs> but all good things. <laughs> good. Glad that. that sounds like a cube of full plate. I'm excited to dig in. Yeah. So excited to get back to that compensation, the HRIS, the, the 401k. Um, real quick about your, like when you started with PrimeGov, about like what number employee were you? Like when did you come on and what stage was PrimeGov at around? Like, you know, where were they in terms of like fundraising and, and people count, that type of thing? Great question. So I believe I was employee like 16, 17, somewhere around there. Okay. Um, so pretty, pretty small, but definitely had a little bit of growth already. 
Um, we, so we are currently, and were when I came on board, funded by another corporation. Um, so we are funded by another corporation. They're actually in Ireland. Um, so our team is partially in the US, partially in Ireland, which has been something completely new for me. Um, and yeah, was there something else you asked? No, no, just like the stage that the company was at when you started. That's super interesting. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I also like I also like to know when a company brings on that that first people hire. So it's like really interesting to like know and start to see those those yeah. themes across companies. Yeah. So it's it's actually interesting. And I think it's probably a different approach than at least I've heard of is um when the corporation came in and kind of took over funding for PrimeGov. Um, they brought in a lot of new leadership as well, including Tom Spangler, who I think you guys spoke with um, previously. So he was brought on board um, and brought in Sharif Aguib, who's our current CEO. And they were based out of Utah, decided to relocate here to Phoenix. Um, and as I mentioned, um, I was actually the first hire here in Phoenix. Um, so from the bat, I am super fortunate to be a part of a team that really understood the need for a people operations function from the beginning. Um, so cultivating a really good employee experience is something that's a huge priority for our leadership team. And that's definitely been something that's been a theme throughout my employment. Nice. I get this question a lot from founders and other leaders, like when should I bring on like my people ops person and at what stage and like, what's the magic answer? And I feel like so often it's not necessarily employee count, but it's like this, the velocity or the pace of growth that you're stepping into. Yeah. Because you probably were at 16 employees for like a year prior to you starting and there's limited growth. And then they hired you and they've doubled in size and they need someone to facilitate that and facilitate it. So it's not garbage and the employees don't hate working there. And there's like some focus on employees and culture. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's my skill, like good and not garbage. <laughs> it's kind of the same. <laughs> just not garbage, please. Um, I'm curious, what are the most common mistakes that you see people in the people ops function make when they, like the first person at the organization? That's a really good question. And I'm not sure, um, I'm not sure if I can think of if these are necessarily mistakes, but I think this is something that I've talked about a lot with other people operations professionals. Um, when we talk about things that we wish we had done. Um, so this yeah. is also a reflection for me as well. Um, <laughs> um, and I think that's a lot around aligning your leaders and equipping them to be good people leaders right off the bat. Um, I think as important as it is focusing a lot on recruiting, it's gotta be the number one priority, gotta grow the organization. But if you can balance that with making sure that you're equipping your leaders and equipping um, the people who are really gonna be carrying out the employee experience for you. Um, that's something that would have made my life infinitely easier um, had I done it a lot sooner. What have you done since reflecting on that, realizing how important that is, what have you done to equip your current leadership team at PrimeGov? Yeah, so I think um, a lot of it has been, we're actually currently creating a new like manager playbook or people leader playbook um, that will give them more more equipment but um, we've focused a lot on you know how to structure one-on-ones how to make sure that 
the vision that we've set out for our employee experience can be carried out by them through um, employee engagement. So having our leaders own their engagement for their teams, we can obviously facilitate things as people ops, but the day-to-day -day comes from them, making sure that they're having good one-on-ones, that there's a lot of communication around their growth and what they wanna do, and that we're providing them opportunities to stretch into those spaces as much as we can. Okay, I love this so, so much. We're doing this at Trainual too. I'm curious, like if I were a founder watching this or a new people ops person in this function, what are some of like three tangible tips to help equip their managers to be successful? Because I, we run into this all the time. Like we can do everything in the world to like support employee engagement. And then if the managers aren't doing it themselves and aren't leading the right intent and doing the one-on-ones and like following up on growth conversations, like it doesn't matter. And employees yeah. will leave because they don't feel supported. So do you have like your top three tips? I like three as like a nice yeah. fun number. Um, I guess I'll start from the beginning of the experience. Um, and I think that would probably, the first part would be helping them understand the hiring process and really diving into the job, job descriptions, the profiles, making sure they know why they're hiring. Is it new headcount? Is it because... Um, we need to stretch capacity, new skills, whatever it might be, um, helping them understand that and equipping them to bring someone on board who's truly going to fit their needs. Um, so providing them with things like a job scorecard mm -hmm. and cultivating a good interview process. And beyond that, I think probably also implementing some sort of employee development program of sorts. So giving some tools and framework to say, hey, these are how you have employee like developmental conversations. This is how you can have a good, like well-structured performance conversation and still make sure that your employees are growing into the spaces that they want to and that we're achieving our business objectives. And then of course, making sure you have a well-structured one-on-one, giving details to how an employee or a leader and an employee can have a good ongoing relationship and have good communication, good circular feedback. I think those would probably be my top three. Nice. Oh, that's great. I like that a lot. So now like where you are in your role currently, what are the people related things that you find are keeping you up at night, so to say? What are the things that, you know, you're tossing and turning around trying to, you know, tackle throughout like your, your job right now? Yeah, I think this would probably, I think a lot of people operations folks this past year have run into this, <laughs> but it's definitely employee engagement. Um, trying to make sure we're kind of making that shift, especially this past year, because we're 100% remote right now and probably will be um, for, for a while. Um, making the shift from in-person engagement, being able to host events, being able to connect with people um, in a conference room, taking a lunch, and then all of a sudden having that all disappear and figuring out how to really nurture and keep the same quality of engagement remotely. Um, it's, it's something I'm constantly thinking about. Every time we'll roll, roll out something new and I'm like, oh, we need to do more. We need to do more um, just because we can't, can't see folks and it's different. Um, so that's definitely, definitely something that we've thought about a ton. Have you tried, have you tried anything recently that like worked really well that you were like really excited about the engagement you got from your team? 
Um, it's not necessarily recently, but the thing that we've been consistently doing that I think works well um, is definitely we do game, we call them game times, but they're really just trivia times and they happen every few weeks on Fridays at around noon because our team is also international. So we have some of our team members that are in right. Ireland. Um, so it's like the time of day where we can get everyone and we'll do trivia and it's always so fun. <laughs> we, we just have great people who have great senses of humor and very competitive spirits. So <laughs> <laughs> I know Tom is one of those people. So yes, anything, anything sports related, Tom is all over. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Um, question kind of sorry I'm all over the place whenever we talk about this stuff I get really excited and then my mind gets really jarbled and this is just how okay. I <laughs> um so I know that a huge focus in your role right now is hiring and trying to like, accommodate all of this growth while also doing remote engagement and comp and perf and manager coaching and leadership coaching um but I'd like to focus on the recruiting element of your role because I think for early stage people ops folks that's like 75% or more of what they're doing. Yeah. Usually if you're, if you're joining a high growth team, they bring you in to help build the infrastructure and automate a lot of the hiring work. Um, so I'm curious, do you have a hiring philosophy? And if so, what is it? So I don't, I don't know if it's a true hiring philosophy, but I have every organization I've been a part of, I've been really fortunate to be a part of teams that do values-based recruiting. Um, so that's something that I've definitely taken with me here. It's just the idea that we obviously hire for the job requirements. You have to be able to perform the job, but at the end of the day, the real deal breaker and what gets you the job is the fact that you meet our value standards. Um, and that, you know, for us, that means being transparent, being motivated, being, a people first person having no ego. Um, and so being able to fit those qualifications over everything. One of my one of my first leaders would always say, hire for attitude, train for skill. And that's something I will never forget because you can hire someone who's great at their job, but if they have a poor attitude, you can't change that. <laughs> that's fair. How have you been able to adequately measure someone's values fit in the interview process? Yeah, I'll say that's something that we have not been have not been perfect at. There's no necessarily values like scale, um, but we <laughs> but we understand what what components we're interviewing for. So we'll ask specific questions around the values, um, and based on how they respond, we'll hear like, are there any red flags there? Is there anything that raises a concern that maybe they do have an ego, or maybe this is someone who isn't very motivated in their work. Um, so more, more looking out for red flags than anything, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Have you, follow-up question, have yeah. you ever had to terminate anyone or like been a part of the termination process for anyone who is not values aligned, but still was performing in their role? It's okay if you say no. Yes. Yes, I have, unfortunately. Because I've talked to a number of CEOs and a lot of times they talk about, they talk about values hiring and ensuring we're bringing on the right folks to like build the rocket ship, get to the moon, whatever their yeah. analogy is. Um, 
but like the people that don't help us get there are ones with a poor attitude or are not values aligned and values either meaning like your corporate values and like how those truly feel in the organization or mm -hmm. mission or the customer you're serving and not feeling aligned and really bought into what the business is doing. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that was really interesting because I would always think like, oh, it's performance. And I feel like so often people and leaders especially are willing to take a gamble on someone who like maybe isn't performing as well, but take the time to coach them if they are yeah. coachable and they want to improve. But it's harder when there's like an a-hole and they don't necessarily, <laughs> they're not about, I don't know, real yeah. time. No, I, I completely understand that. And I think like the more I think about it, there's been a couple, but um, I think it's, it's obviously it's hard letting anyone go, but of course, someone who is not contributing positively to your team, um, they might not be, they might be performing themselves, but their attitudes and how they exist in the workplace might be impacting negatively their team, um, which long-term is going to have a lot higher operational repercussions. Yeah, for sure. Um, as you've scaled the team over the last year and continue to build the team, how do you identify the roles you need to hire? Um, or is it you? Is it a partnership with leadership? Like, what does that process look like? I'm so fascinated by org development and design. Yeah. Um, I'm really fortunate because we have a rock star team of leaders and they take such great ownership of you know, their team's well-being, growth, development. Um, so they're definitely the driver there. But one thing that I know I try and do as a people operations partner is when I meet with them, because I try and meet with all of our leaders regularly, is we'll talk through like how's your team doing and then we always talk about bottlenecks so like are there any bottlenecks in your team um what might those be is that a result of process lack of training um or a training need or is it truly you need a new individual on your team you need to expand your capacity a little bit so um understanding the bottlenecks and being able to identify those and what what will help alleviate that is definitely what drives a lot of the new hires that we bring on board or new headcount that's not counted in annual planning, I guess. Yeah. Let's pretend we are in one of these little check-ins for your team. You're a team of one right now. Mm -hmm. I know you have a ton going on. What type of role would you bring on as a second hire for a people ops team at a growing company? Good question. Thank you. Really good um, I have thought about this a lot as we think about um, <laughs> extending our team and um, it could go a couple different ways, but when I really think about it, I think the most beneficial thing for my team as it exists right now would probably be like a people ops generalist, someone who most likely comes from more of a recruiting based background, but is willing and interested in learning more about HR um, and kind of willing and wanting to flex into that space, that'd be probably the ideal person just because of the variety of things we have going on. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm so fascinated by people ops specifically because there's been so much change in this function. Mm -hmm. And I think there's ways to automate a lot of the like, traditional administrative components of the HR role. And so figuring out what type of people you need to really move the needle on these business objectives. Mm -hmm. uh, is so interesting. And I don't think there are a ton of folks here in Phoenix specifically that are in this yeah. progressive people ops space. So I found that recruiting more junior folks has been helpful and coaching and training them up and willing, being willing to take the time to do that's been helpful. Um, mm -hmm. 
but I, I think the people ops team build that's always interesting. Absolutely. But, yeah. Thank you. So in terms of, so you have these meetings regularly with your, with your leadership team. Um, part of the process that you're going through is identifying headcount bottlenecks, you know, like uh, needs for hiring. Uh, you did talk about the team, like really taking ownership over the growth and development of their own teams, which is mm -hmm. always great to hear. How do you help your leaders balance the career pathing of their employees, of, like, of their directs, the, the focus on uh, employee development with the business objectives, like the growth of, of the business, like day-to-day -day operations? How do you help your leaders balance those two things? Yeah, those are, those are tricky items to balance. <laughs> I think, um, again, one of the things that we've done is really focus on one-on-one. -on -one. So there's supposed to be a continuous conversation going around employee development. Um, but another thing that we've done more recently, and I'm not sure if this answers your question, but we implemented what are called quarterly check-ins or what we call quarterly check-ins um, back in October. And it's essentially, it's like a two-in-one conversation around employee development and performance. Um, so each quarter, our employees and our leaders will get together and they'll have a one-on-one -on -one where they go through what we call an IGP or an individual growth plan. Um, and in this individual growth plan, they talk through their accomplishments for the quarter, their areas of opportunity, goals for the upcoming quarter. So they do a little goal setting as well as talk through what support they need from their leader. Um, and one of the goals, um, so they'll set three goals each quarter and at least one of them has to be aligned with their business objectives mm. um, or our business objectives for the company. So we try and maintain, um, we're obviously, we wanna make sure that our employees are getting to where they wanna go regardless of you know, what, what opportunities we might have here at PrimeGov. Um, we hope that they'll, they'll stay with us and grow with us as long as possible, but um, providing them the opportunity to talk through what they want to do, reflect on their accomplishments, set upcoming goals, and make sure that those goals are in line with what we're planning to do as an organization. Um, I'm not sure if that answered it, but. <laughs> I think that does. I mean, yeah, having, I'm at a company right now that's doing like the same thing. You have like your individual development plan. Mm -hmm. I like the like the, the, the focus and like the forcing mechanism of, hey, one of these goals for your professional development needs to tie back to a, a business objective. Um, so yeah, like that's a great answer to how to balance the two. So thank you. Um, do you have like any examples of, I don't know, like, I guess you just started this practice and maybe there was something, maybe there was like an incendiary event as to like why you started this practice. Was there ever any time where like those things were at odds and like you ran into problems with, you know, someone's personal development and the goals of the business and like the growth of the business? We, we didn't run into any specific problems as far as like employee development and the growth of the business. Mm -hmm. uh, the main motivator for us doing this was we have a lot of really talented people on our team. Um, and we wanna make sure that they continue to feel really fulfilled in their jobs, in their roles, and that we're providing them opportunities to have these conversations and that they know we care about it and that we can create plans because we know what they wanna do um, to hopefully 
be able to help them along the way in the future. But as far as examples of when things have aligned or misaligned in that case, um, I haven't run into many personally, to be honest. Um, but I think a lot of that has to, not that it has to do, this was not my doing, but I think during the hiring process, we do a lot of focus on um, asking about what motivates people as well as where they wanna go in their career. Um, so when we bring people on board, we try and make sure that if, if they have goals of having a team, that that's something that is a potential possibility down the line and that we're not bringing them into the organization knowing that their career goals are something that we can't offer them. Nice, I like that a lot. Totally, okay. Switching gears completely because my brain. Um, <laughs> So we, I talk about having a full stack people ops role and I built my team to be full stack as well. And I love it and I've stolen it, stolen, that's a word, right? Stilded, stilded, I've stilded it from engineering. And whenever we post roles for end, we always post our tech stack. So we're in Ruby on Rails and mm -hmm. Heroku, my like engineering team is like cringing right now as I attempt to list out our tech stack. Um, but I think about people ops in the same way. Like you have, I, we have our tool for engagement and performance and our HRS and our ATS and our 401k provider. So I'm curious, do you have a go-to like people ops stack and tools or software systems that you gravitate, gravitate to um, as you like build out the people ops infrastructure on a, on a new team? Um, are you saying specific brands or? Yeah. I mean, it could be like the essential types of tools, like gotcha. ATS. And then if you have a preferred um, brand or a couple of, of rock star brands in the space mm -hmm. um, for folks that are just starting out and don't know where to start. Yes. So I think it definitely depends on what your plans are for the year. Um, so, you know, if you have really aggressive hiring goals, if you're going into an organization that might not might not have those. I know when I came in, um, they were like, here's the long list of people that you're gonna hire this year. <laughs> and I was like, okay, the first thing I need is an ATS. <laughs> and for those watching that don't know what an ATS is, it's oh, a yeah. tracking system. Yes, applicant tracking system, a recruiter's best friend. So um, we brought in an ATS, we chose Lever. Um, we absolutely love it. And so that was, that was my first, first piece of technology. And then I, so I actually, we inherited some technology from our Irish partners. So we had some European tech there for a minute. Um, but the next thing that I would have chosen to bring on is an HRIS. I think it's just such a powerful way to be able to manage your employees as well as um, also help you provide reporting. Um, if you get an ATS that reports, which I highly recommend, um, or has reporting capabilities, um, because we're, we try to be very data-driven. Um, so we want to make sure that we're able to report on things like our turnover and with our ATS time to fill, um, as well as revenue per FTE, all that fun stuff. Nice. Um, sorry. I was just going to ask, you said you were in the process at the beginning of identifying or onboarding an HIRS system and a 401k. Yes. So I'm just curious to like uh, how that's going and where you are in the process. Yes. So we, we probably have a very different onboarding experience than most other companies do. Um, so how we've been structured thus far is our Irish investor, they actually have 
us, we're technically employees of theirs. Um, so two different tax IDs, but um, we are employees of that organization. So when we're bringing in an HRIS or a 401k, all US employees for that company, it's called PropOn, um, as well as us are under one system of benefits. So we're not only managing, I'm not only managing the prime gov employee tech stack or our benefits, but also taking into consideration Propylon, which has a completely different leadership team, completely different budget, their US employees um, and working with their team and our team to get these on board. Um, so it's definitely, there's a lot, <laughs> a lot to unpack with that, but um, yeah, so bringing on the HRIS, one of the things we would have done it sooner, but had to make sure that both organizations were aligned. And so we're bringing that on right now. Um, we are just at the beginning of the implementation process. We're actually bringing on Rippling, um, which we've left thus far. It's been a pretty easy breezy implementation nice. at this point. And then for 401k, very similar situation, trying to make sure we're aligned as far as what we want to do with our 401ks. Do we want to match them? Do we not? Um, and we have chosen to bring on human interest as our partner there. Do you have any tool for performance or engagement? We don't have any tools for performance or engagement as of now. That's something that we've had a lot of discussions around. Um, I think probably engagement more so than performance at this point, um, just bringing in something to help drive and assist there, but definitely something that we'll probably bring on within the year. Do you guys have a preferred tool for that? Uh, yeah, we use, we use Coltramp at Trainual for engagement and performance, and I love it. I love their brand and like who, like how they identify and the like social stances they take and. I was talking about this earlier today, actually, but we love them. Um, and so there are engagement and performance tool. We use Lever as well for our ATS. Recruiter's best friend. I love their LinkedIn integration. It's the best. Fantastic. I freaking love you guys. Um, and then for an HRIS, we actually use a PEO. We use JustWorks right now. Um, mm -hmm. We were on Gusto for a while, but I wanted us to have access to richer benefits through large group rates. So we're doing that now. And then once we're over 50 employees at some point early 2021, then we might potentially consider moving to a more traditional HRIS like Zenefits or Rippling. Very cool. Yeah. It's so fun. Employee I love HR technology. I could talk about that all day long. <laughs> if I wasn't the head of people at Trainual, I would be running my own HR technology company. And <laughs> doing something cool but I feel like there's so many amazing HR tech companies out there I'm like what else could I do nothing yeah. I'm redundant I doubt that <laughs> <laughs> I don't know um well wrapping us up unless you have more questions for us but um I'm curious how you think the pops function could provide more value to the business and like whether that's specific to PrimeGov or just like advice to POPs people, how they could be a more instrumental business partner to their leadership team. I think um, one of the, I think one of the ways that really, or one of the things that really differentiates like a full stack people operations from like maybe the more traditional HR function um, 
or that can that can really elevate it is definitely people ops ability to truly partner with the rest of the organization, like be a business partner. Um, I think when a lot of people um, think of like traditional HR, they think of like the administrative support function. Um, but I think there's just so much opportunity to really step up into that business space, provide great data, provide good strategy and good, um, really just good strategy around human capital. Because if you can really harness the power of human capital and make it work for your organization, like that's something invaluable that you can bring to, to a company. So um, just really being strategic, trying to own that business acumen and focusing on the data. Do you have any good resources or tools for people trying to elevate their skill set within the POPs function um, or trying to up their business acumen? I'm trying to think of, sorry, go ahead. It can make, it can be specific tools. Sorry, I like think of things randomly. I need to improve how I speak. I'm learning. Um, no, like it could be a specific tool or just a strategy within their role, a way for them to pick up more information. If you have any tips and tricks for people earlier in their career. Ah, yes. Um, if you if you have access to someone in operations, <laughs> shadow them, watch them, learn from them. Um, any like an operations analyst, ideally, or just anyone who works with numbers, because I also think the more people ops can like zoom out and really see the organization as a whole contribute, the better. Um, but also they they tend to have pretty pretty great data-driven presentations, great pitches, all of the above. All of the above. Yes. Okay, I completely lied. I'm nowhere close to being done with you. I have a number of more questions. Sorry, Jake. Um, I actually had my 90-day check-ins with both of the folks on my team, and one of the questions I asked them was, what are three skill sets or characteristics that you think make an amazing, and in their case, people ops generalist, but in your case, head of people operations? Mm -hmm. That's such a good question. Thank you. Oh. Um, I think there's there's a lot of things, um, but first and foremost, just being being people oriented and keeping everything that you do people first. Um, I think. Obviously we wanna be business partners, um, but really looking at your operation, your fellow leaders, your employees, and trying to figure out how to make the experience more human, how to make it obviously more efficient, but keep the human in that. Um, but also with that being strategic, I talked about it before, but trying to drive as much as you can. Um, I know, especially if you're, if you're a one person people team like me, um, you, you have to drive, you have no choice. <laughs> and um, so finding, finding the areas of the business that are gonna need help um, in a few months, planning for that and making sure that you're, you're as prepared as you can be. Um, and then I'm trying to think, that was a really good question. Thank you. You know, <laughs> It should be easier. What I'm curious, what, what were your people saying? Um, so one of them was talking about ownership, mm -hmm. um, creativity, 
and the ability to live in ambiguity. So I yeah. thought there was some overlap with both of them, but the creativity was like said in different ways, but the ability to innovate and can not only like create completely new programs or ideas, but to iter like constantly iterate, like thinking almost from a product lens, how do I continually mm -hmm. make this program or this offering that we're providing better for our customer, which is the employee group and our candidates. Um, and then we live in a lot of chaos. Things are constantly changing, like startup life and just like high growth life. And yeah. so being comfortable living in the chaos and then helping coach the leaders that they're working with to be comfortable with the chaos. I think like, people like startups for a number of reasons, but like most people don't like the chaos that much. And so just helping them yeah. be more comfortable. Um, and then, like you said, driving and the ownership and like taking everything you can off someone else's plate. And like, what can I do to continually make like my boss's life easier, the partners I'm, or the people I'm partnering with lives easier. Um, those are like the main themes for both of them. Yeah. I've got smart little cookies on my I want to, I want to cheat off of them a little bit and I'm going to change my answers. <laughs> um, but I do think I love the piece about ownership. I think that's, yeah, that's perfect. Um, but also just like being agile and, um, oh my gosh, I'm just blanking on everything now. No, you're That's totally fine. Ideas about 30 seconds right. Yeah, you just steal theirs. That's fine. They're very yeah. nice. They're fine to share. We'll own that. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Jake, all of my rambles done. You may continue with some of your questions. So sorry. No, no problem. This is a good conversation so far. <laughs> Kaylin, Kaylin, what what tangible steps have you been taking to address diversity and inclusion uh, at PrimeGov? Uh, any any initiatives? Any like what have you been focusing on? Yeah, I think I'm hoping that's been that's been a topic of conversation for all organizations, um, especially this past year. But at PrimeGov, um, I think we we are super fortunate because we're an international organization. So we have a lot, a significant amount of our employee base is from other countries. They come from different realities, different places, um, which has really aided in this conversation. Um, but we've had, we've just had a lot of talk about how do we make our workplace more equitable? Like, how do we take out bias? How do we increase conversations? Um, and increase vulnerability when we can. And I think one of the one of the more tangible things that we did um, was have a lot of conversations about that early stage kind of referral. Um, I don't want to call it a slump, but we rely on a lot on referrals. Um, when you're early in an organization, you're like, I know this person's great. I know that they'll they'll be wonderful and they'll love working with us. And relying on referrals is wonderful, but because it tends to get you, get you some great people, but it's not always the most equitable. So finding or making sure that we're in, that we're posting all of our jobs online and making them open for people to apply if they want to, um, is one of the things that we've done. And again, we're international. So we have what we call a sharing cultures channel, um, in teams, and it's a space where people can share anything related to where they're currently located. Um, well, sometimes it'll be anything from like current events that are going on in other countries, or it could be as casual as 
what is it, sunset picks from Ireland, <laughs> which we love as well. Um, but just trying to create space um, for these conversations, trying to encourage them to happen and just trying to find ways that we can all not only just bond over similarities, but also enjoy the differences between us as well and kind of find joy there. Yeah. What have you done in the like sourcing and hiring process to ensure that you can attract um, diverse candidates to your business. And like side note, why this is important, um, Tori on my team, she's she's very passionate about um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Has done a great job advocating for us to be very vocal about our stances because internally. Um, we're super supportive of all of our LGBTQ employees, but that's not necessarily reflected on our website. And we had a candidate the other day say, the only reason that I responded to the message that you sent me was because you specifically mentioned DEI in your section, like your about section on your LinkedIn page, and you had she and hers pronouns on your page. And I dug into you more and I realized you were an out gay woman at Trainual and that was celebrated, but I've had some really poor experiences in the past. So I will only talk to people that are explicit about their support of the LGBTQ community. So I know that I will be treated fairly and I will be safe at work. And for that, like for me, I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm the worst. Like we need to be more vocal about what we're doing and who we support. So we can continue to attract diverse candidates and they feel safe at Trainual. Um, but I'm curious if you found anything to be successful or like you've had messaging with sourcing, it's kind of a long winded ramble question, but it's been top of mind as of an hour ago talking with my team. Yeah, so I think that's an area that we could absolutely improve in. I don't think um, we're capitalizing on that enough. We, we try and post um, to a variety of different job boards. Um, and get as much exposure as we can. But as far as truly targeting and embracing that, that piece of our culture, we haven't done a good job of evangelizing that. But it's interesting that you bring this up right now because tomorrow morning I have a meeting with our, um, our director of marketing and we're talking about redoing our careers page. And that is a component of it. So we will hopefully have some additional, mes additional messaging um, Kind of to target that aspect of our organization. Nice. All right. To wrap things up, it was one of my favorite questions. Just what is one piece of advice that you would give to an early stage people ops uh, person, whether it's a, a one person show or, you know, they're leading an entire team? What's that one piece of advice you'd give them? Uh, that's they're looking to build and scale their team. They're going through that growth phase. Only one piece. Um, <laughs> and I'll say, I, <laughs> I will say, I don't think any of the advice I have is actually my advice. It's definitely someone, someone else's, someone more wiser, <laughs> more wise <laughs> than I am. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, but I am actually, I think I'll actually steal something Greg Scoresby said some said to me. He's the CEO of Campus Logic. I think you guys also spoke with him. Um, but he, when I asked him about advice for someone who's going into an early stage organization in a people ops function, he told me, you can never, you can never overemphasize your purpose, your mission, and your values. You can never align too much and too early. Um, as we've talked about, you know, recruiting is 
Recruiting is always going to be something that's a priority, especially if you're in a growth phase. Um, but prioritizing early on that you're on a mission, you have a mission statement because you're on a mission and that mission is important to the organization because of XYZ. And we want to make sure that we're all charging, charging toward like the same goal. Um, that will only help you recruit better. It'll help you onboard better. It'll help you make sure that your employee experience is really, really consistent and help your employees understand the why behind what you're doing. So that would, that'd probably be it. Love it. That's a great piece of advice. Love that. Love Greg. Love you. This has been great. <laughs> thank you so much for spending time with us. We so appreciate it. Yeah, if there's anything you. we can yes. do to help you, please let us know. We're always here to help, here to talk a lot, ask <laughs> rambly questions, whatever you want, whatever you're in the mood for. I love it. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's been so fun. <laughs> Hey, thanks for listening to Venture Scaler. If you're listening on a podcast platform, be sure to hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. We'd love to hear what you think. We also have a version on YouTube if you want to watch the show instead. And if you found the episode helpful, please share it with a friend, a family member, or anyone else that you think could benefit. And you're also welcome to connect with us on LinkedIn. Thanks again for watching and we'll see you next time.